0: to the splendor the spectacle the sparkling sensation where the romance the comedy and the thrill of disney fantasies come to electric life and as our friend jiminy said welcome welcome to the disney nerds podcast a place each week where like-minded people get together to discuss all things disney we'll help you get your disney fix on Here we go. A magic kingdom proudly presents, in a million points of musical light, the magical worlds of Disney.
1: Hello and welcome to the Disney Nerds Podcast, episode 145. This is Jennifer, and I have Charlotte with me on the line. It's been so long since I've talked to you. Charlotte, how are you? I'm great, Jennifer. I'm so glad it's us tonight. I know. And I am, as much as I love you, I am as excited or more for our very special guest, one Mr. Lee Cockerell. Good evening, Lee. How are you doing?
2: Hi there. I'm good. Thank you.
1: Good. Well, I'd mentioned offline that you and I had met one time at Podcast Movement previously, and um, I sort of put my foot in my mouth with Jody. I said, I'm kind of excited to meet you too, but I'm really just here to see Mr. Cockerel. So (laughs) he was so gracious and he's actually been on my show since then. So uh, I think no hard feelings, but he's a good man.
2: I enjoy working with him.
1: He is. He is. So you guys are obviously, we'll talk more about this as well, um, but you're on a show together called Creating Disney Magic, a really, really awesome podcast that I love. Um, I actually currently am just staying home with my kids, but I think that despite sort of having a business bent as far as um, topics go, a lot of it is, you know, like good business, just how you treat other people. So I think it's a really cool show. So thank you for doing that.
2: Good. Thank you. Make your kids listen to it.
1: I know, that's exactly (laughs) right. It's helping me, honestly, it's helping me remember what things are important to teach them. So um, as much as our listeners, you know, are Disney nerds and they kind of come for the trip planning and escapism and the details, and uh, the reality is as much as they'd like to, you know, they'd like otherwise, they all have other things they do and, you know, um, either jobs or responsibilities at home. So I know that they are going to, just get so much from you. So I'm excited to share you with anybody that might not know them, but a lot of them probably already know you. You of course were the executive vice president, correct me if this is wrong, executive vice president of operations for the Walt Disney World Resort. Correct? That was like your
2: last title. (laughs) That's right.
1: You did other things as well though, both stateside and in Europe and, um, I, one of the things I think is most interesting, if people have followed your journey, is that you've publicly shared many times that you didn't you didn't finish a formal education. But one of the things I remember hearing you say early on is you learned so much just by leaving home and seeing the world. Like that was such an important thing for you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like kind of where you started and how you how you ended up at Disney?
2: Yeah, well, I grew up in Oklahoma, and I, I didn't leave the state till I was twenty years old. Uh, I tell people I grew up on a little farm in Oklahoma, and we didn't even have indoor plumbing. My mother ended up being married five times. She was kind of busy, (laughs) and uh, I ended up getting adopted by two of her husbands, so I've got my third name since I was born, Cockerel, I got when I was 16, and uh, so the fourth husband had a lot of money, so uh, I got to go to college, and I went for two years, and I was a pretty bad student because I never went to class, Mm -hmm. and... uh, (laughs) So I got out and went in the Army in 1964, and uh, I served the Army, and then when I got out of the Army, I went to the Washington Hilton with a fellow I met in the Army, and I got a job as a banquet waiter at the Washington Hilton up on Connecticut Avenue. It's up there where – that's the hotel where Ronald Reagan got shot that day wow. when he was coming out of the hotel back in the 80s, and um, – yeah, so I worked uh, there. I was just a, a waiter, and then I uh, I got into a management training program eventually with Hilton, and I stayed with Hilton eight years and moved to Chicago from Washington. I met my wife at the Washington Hilton. She was in the office next door to mine. She used to come and use my pencil sharpener, so that's how <laughs> I spotted her. And uh, then uh, we moved to Chicago. We had a baby. Then we moved to New York City at the Waldorf Astoria, and then we moved up to Tarrytown, New York, up in about 40 miles north of Manhattan. Then we moved to Los Angeles with Hilton, and then there I quit and went with a little company in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I got fired after 90 days. and uh, The place went bankrupt, and I had no job, and finally got a job with Marriott and stayed with Marriott 17 years and became the vice president of food and beverage there. And uh, then I got recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to France. And when I asked my wife, you want to go to France? She said, yes. <laughs> <That's>
1: <laughs> so <good> answer, right?
2: <laughs> so uh, we, uh, I resigned and we went to France and I worked there for three years, opening Disneyland Paris. And then uh, I got recruited back to Orlando in 1993. And I was first in charge of the hotel division there for a couple of years and then in uh Uh, Let's see. I guess it was 1997. I was put in charge of all operations at Walt Disney World and the parks and hotels and Disney Springs now and all that kind of stuff. And did that for 13 years. And so then I retired when I was 62. That was 10 years ago. And uh, started my own business. I have a consulting business, a speaking business, seminar business. And I have my fourth book coming out on September uh, October 15th now. And it's uh, so it's been good. I was the kid who doesn't know where the commas go and didn't do well in English, but I've written four books. So what do you know? You never know what you're going to do.
1: And your fourth one is uh, your career magic, basically, right about your career path, which you kind of talked about is it wasn't necessarily like everything went your way and was handed to you and you got to be the vice president at Disney World like you really (laughs) have learned a lot in a lot of different ways through life, which I think is really cool. Can you tell us a little about that book?
2: Yeah, that's a story I wanted to tell. Um, You know, I think too many people today, they probably think Lee Cockrell, gosh, yeah, this guy, he went to college, he got a great job, he's always had a great life.
1: Knew somebody.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, knew somebody, Mm -hmm. and... um, I, in this book, I tell all the stories of the obstacles you're going to run into, uh, the disappointments, uh, getting passed over for a promotion, getting fired, uh, getting a boss you can't work with, and you end up leaving. And, uh, I mean, all the things that happen, uh, ups and downs. Uh right. My uh, career looks like the Dow Jones average. It goes up and down <laughs> and up and down, but it's got it's it's got a good trend line. <laughs> so, Ultimately it
1: ends up right. <laughs> yeah.
2: And then uh I you know, eventually uh you gotta I really the point I wanna make in that book is don't underestimate what you can do, first of all. Too many mm. people do. And uh, second, don't underestimate the impact you can have on other people around you by being a nice person, or being uh, firm, being a good leader uh, with your kids or at, in the workplace. Uh, yeah. As my granddaughter told me, she said, I asked her what the best first rule in customer service is. She said, well, Pappy, the first rule is be nice. Uh-huh. And... Uh, and she 's the nicest young lady in the world she 's about to go off to college, and i I often look at her and think, you know, be nice, yeah, that if we all could do that better well, now we 're going through this election process, and not too many people are being nice these days. Right. the way they talk about each other it 's unbelievable, so yeah, well, so that 's kind of my life
1: and it sounds like a simple you know be nice sounds like sort of a you know quick answer, is that really, but really, like that 's the really, really great place to start, right everything else sort of comes after that if you take the time to to get to know people and to you know just listen and i think that makes oh, a yeah. good leader too so um i could talk forever about time management which is one of my like big n- things i nerd out about and about all this stuff but i know some people want to know you know they they love all things Disney, which I know. I know you're a big fan as well. Um, so you've done a lot of, you know, I I actually worked at the Marriott for a while, and then Charlotte um works in in retail, but really was talking about how she utilizes a lot of the customer service things that you have taught via the Disney Institute and for the, through your books. And but you've had all these different experiences, good and bad, up and down. What do you think makes either from a customer service standpoint or the kind of details in the theme parks or or both or all of the above what do you think is the difference that makes disney you know disney magical cuz the marriott has great customer service and yes, other companies do. other companies that you worked for are top notch but they're not Disney. What makes Disney Disney to you? uh,
2: There are three things Disney does better than anybody else. And I learned that when I came to Disney. I thought I knew a lot after I'd been in the hotel business all those years. And Marriott was fabulous. Mm -hmm. But I really learned the attention to detail when I came to Disney that everything matters. Yeah, that's the key. I think everything matters. And I just tell people at Disney, uh, we screen and hire better. We hire better people. We uh, make sure we understand people before we hire them. Uh, We attract uh, more people than we can ever hire. So we can select the best people and we're looking for great attitude or uh, people who can work with other people people who uh, raise their hand and go go uh, all the way for the company and for the business and for the guests and second we train better not only do we train people at disney we also test them and then we enforce the training that's kinda like uh... Somebody told me once, that's like the Army. I don't want to work at Disney. I said, yeah, that's that's the reason our Army is the best in the world is you're well-trained and there's enforcement and you have to follow policy procedure. And so after you hire great people and train them, I think the third thing we do best, it's a great culture. People come there and stay forever. Mm-hmm. They don't want to leave. Right. We have very low turnover for the hospitality business. Uh, I think uh, we create a culture where everyone wakes up in the morning and feels good about working at Disney mostly. And uh, we work hard at trying to make sure every cast member matters and they know they matter Yeah. And because everybody matters. And that's the first chapter in my book, Creating Magic, is remember, everyone matters. Everyone <laughs> is important. And I if you can't. don't believe that, you're not going to be successful in life because I've been around the world many times and I've not found one person in the world that doesn't think they're important or has a point of view or wants to be listened to or Once wants to be to respected. Feel, yeah, yeah. I mean, all those good things, and it's so simple, and, and I think it's things your mother probably taught you and taught me and my grandmother, and sometimes we forget when we get into business that it's not that much different, and uh, it's a respect for people, and because let me tell you, at the end of the day, your people are your brand. That's yeah. a, That's Disney's defining difference. We got rides. Everybody's got rides. Everybody's got shows. Everybody's got hotels. But we have people that are incredible. They'll go all the way. They'll take care of you at 10 o'clock at night. Even if a manager's not around, they'll do the right thing. And uh, that's the key. And anybody can do it. But you've got to be committed to it because, you know, excellence is hard. It's really hard. And uh, you got to really be on it all the time. It's a state of mind. You've got to really worry about everything. Everything's got to be right. And uh, that's what we try to do at Disney. And I think that's why we have the reputation – of this kind of magical place and uh and uh I always tell people we're so clear with cast members when we hire them, we call it the happiest place on earth or else. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean there's days I didn't have a good day, but I acted like I did. Sure. And uh and right. we're putting we're putting on a show. And uh you gotta be professional and you, everybody's got a role and you gotta perform your role and you gotta know your role and you gotta know what you can say and not say and you've got to uh Uh, When you go on break, you can do whatever you want. But uh, as I tell people, you got to look the part, you got to be the part, you got to know your part, you got to you got to act it every day because the guests have huge expectations when they come to Disney. Gigantic expectations.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So uh, high expectations, and if the management has high expectations, they'll pass that on to the cast members on the front lines, and they'll they'll deliver. They, they want to deliver.
1: Yeah, and I think as you put it that way, though, that does become the big difference that you expect. You know, you said somebody didn't want to work in such a regimented, you know, uh, place. but But if at the same time that tells the cast members what's expected of them while they're also being told, you can do this, you are valued, you are respected – you can help make this happen you're not they're not just following orders then they're buying into it and they're a part of it and i think that as you mentioned like the the cast members that are at the um food and beverage places and at the gift shops and at guest services those are the ones like most people don't get to talk to the vice president of operations they're talking to like the person that's loading peter pan's flight like and and those people have to know that their job is super important and that they Have the capability to make that guest day, and I think you're right. That's kind of get it gets kind of squashed out of business sometimes. I think so.
2: Well, it does a lot, you know. And at Disney, they're good about the management's good about uh, giving the cast members the latitude to make decisions for the guest and to take care of their issues all day long. And that matters. You got to have authority to be able to act, so you can serve the customer right on the spot, not have to go look for a manager every time something happens. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, those are things that uh, just they add up. They just add up over time, and uh, that's why you get that experience. It doesn't happen by accident, I assure you, as I said in the first my first book it's not the way, it's not magic that makes Disney World work it's the way we work that makes it magic and uh and uh that's hiring and training and culture and treating people right and all, uh, you know one cigarette uh, one cigarette on the ground's too many' and, <laughs> that's uh, right.
0: So Disney yeah. has created a wonderful brand and the people that work for it know that they are, they are just as much as part of that. And, um, I have a young college age daughter who has gone out into the workforce for the first time. And, uh, she wanted, she called me concerned about what to wear to work. And I said, you are a ambassador for the brand of the company you are going to work for. And you set yeah. yourself forward for that. And, um, I don't care if everybody's dressed in jeans. You you show up, and you show up right. <laughs> you show up nice. Wow, well,
2: that's you great can... advice you gave her. <laughs> that's the best advice you could give her. People say, how can you be successful? I said, if there's 10 people doing what you do, you make sure you're the best one, best attitude, on time, do the job, easy to work with, flexible. And next thing you know, you'll get promoted, and then you'll be running the place one day. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh while, even
1: without a college degree sometimes, maybe not, yeah, well, <laughs> but it's possible. Anything's I possible. Su- I
2: wouldn't suggest my college <laughs> right. degree. And we're making sure our grandkids and my son got their sure. degrees because I maybe I got lucky. I don't know, but it was a different time too. Sure. Today, I'm afraid today, if you don't have a degree, you can't even get an interview. That's
1: the problem. So, In some but cases, but then you have, you know, have, you have the rise of all kinds of entrepreneurial things and, yeah. you know, I mean, I think it's just proof that anything's possible. So, um, you were talking about guest expectations and I just had to think. Um I, I know Charlotte worked for a while as a, a travel agent as well, booking Disney trips, but i i it sounds like a joke when people say this, but I feel like it's not. Is it true that people would complain? You'd hear the complaints, I'm sure, as managed like upper management. but would people complain about things like the weather and things that are completely out of Disney control, or is that just sort of internet rumor?
2: No, that's not internet. By the way, the time pe- by the time people got to me, they weren't happy. They were that's having tra- <laughs> they were having a tra- tragic visit, not a magic one. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean it depends. You know, the problem is you're you're down here and it's hot, and you've spent a lot of money. And it's those cold spells, you know, in February when it's 12 days and it's 33, 39 oh, degrees. <laughs>
1: really? And
2: uh, it's yeah. frost on the marathon day. And, yeah, we've been
0: uh, there. Yeah. And,
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, and people get annoyed and, you know, they they complain. But um, I always tell people, they're not complaining uh, to you personally. They don't even know you, just Make their day. Say you're sorry. Hope things get better. Don't be telling them it's not our fault and getting defensive (laughs) and blah blah blah. All you need to do is say you're sorry. Which more companies need to teach their people to say you're sorry? What can I do for you? Let me get you a cup of coffee. You know, I mean, there's just be nice and uh, be professional and let it go and. Just that's what we're there for. We take the heat. That's where we're they're looking at my name tag when they're mad at me. They're not mad at me personally.
1: Right. Well, and because, just like you said about the cast members, then the cast members pass that along to the guests. The guest wants to feel heard. They want to yeah, feel that exactly. their frustration is valid, even if it's, you know, sometimes probably quite frankly ridiculous. Sometimes we we all, you know, kind of blow things out of proportion or get a little frustrated quickly. But regardless of whether it seems rational, like they just want to be heard. And I think that's something Disney does really well. But um so on that note, whether it's good or bad, what do you have like a favorite or most unique memory about actually dealing with either i guess a guest or a cast member i'm not sure how often you got to to talk to guests on a regular basis but um you just have like a favorite memory that stands out from your time at disney world
2: oh i can't tell you how many times <laughs> i guests wanted to meet me or come up and see me and they'd come to my office and ended up we'd talk for a minute and, and uh take a photo and i they send me that photo 10 years later mm. or i'll hear back from them or mm-hmm. uh, just you know it's you meet families that have all kinds of problems like children in wheelchairs and kids that are... I spent a lot of time out in the park so I really kind of was attracted to those people that uh, seemed to have a child with disabilities mm-hmm. or uh, making sure we had a good re- experience for them but the guests are you know I would say most guests arrive at Disney uh, in a really good mood, happy, they're ready to go and uh, that's why we've got to even more Carter because uh, It's not hard to disappoint somebody if they have really high expectations, and uh, and it's a busy place. I mean, to get a dinner reservation, to get in the parks, get the parking. I mean, and everything's got to work, and it's got to work right, and uh, so that's why we keep focusing. You know, the average guest comes to Disney about every three years for their whole life. Uh, This is the probably the guests you're talking about on your show. Is uh, they they come there a lot. Right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know they know yeah. what it's supposed to be like. In fact, I would tell you that probably a lot of the guests know more about Disney than we do. And <laughs> uh, seriously, I mean they know Especially everything. With
1: now with like the internet and yes. how much you can share, yeah, yeah. Oh
2: yeah. I mean I met I met a two t- a ten and twelve year old had been to Disney fifty times. They're from New York. Their parents come all the time, and I met a man and his daughter who come for two months every year. And stay at Disney.
1: Wow! I
2: mean, I mean, and all of hundred, our listeners
1: just got yeah. really jealous. <laughs> yeah, right. There's
2: there's a hundred stories, thousands of stories like that. Of uh, there, there's a reason they met their wife there. Uh, yeah. They were on a school trip when their senior year, and it was magical, you know. And
1: yeah, yeah,
2: they fell in love with some boy that night and got married. And mm-hmm. So you never know. Lots of things happen at Disney.
1: Well, and we talked so, about that on our show before too. That we are not. We feel like the norm because we hang out with, you know, we have a show and we spend time in Disney communities online and and our friends. A lot of times we convert our friends, you know, the friends we have in our communities. And so everyone we know goes to Disney all the time. But we've talked about on the show many times that you as an employee of Disney, as a cast member, as a manager, as an Imagineer have to keep in mind all of the kinds of people that are coming, the people that are going to literally go once in their lifetime, the people that are thinking they're getting dragged there once in their lifetime and may fall in love with it. And the people that go and live there for two months or come every month. And uh, so it's, it's always an interesting conversation to have, you know, when they make changes and when, you know, whether it's like um, logistics, whether prices and passes, or it's something like a ride changing or closing, it's, we always kind of bring it back around to that. Like we are not the, the, Bulk of the guests that go to Disney World, I don't think. But.
2: <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Just a number of international guests, and you're right. Many people that come once in their life, and, uh, and then the people who come all the time, and, and there's people that have, you know, different income levels, yep. they're different types. Fifty percent of the guests that come to Disney come without children. You know, uh, we before- we gone
1: plenty without, <laughs> even be- before we had kids, <laughs> and since we've had kids, we've gone without. So,
2: well, our first time I went to Disneyland back in the. 70s. I was working in LA and uh, we took our son. He was two. And then we left him at home after that and went by ourselves.
1: Yep. <laughs> so we, I tell you what, there's we, something special about those adult-only trips.
2: Yeah, All exactly. Right. It was much more fun. So uh, yeah, it's a pretty special place.
1: Well, so then I have to know, because we, we do get into like some of the Nerdier details on our show sometimes. You have a window on Main Street USA. What, and I've heard you say before that you were maybe not expecting that. What was that like? Like, how did you hear that you were getting one? Like, how did that unfold for you?
2: Well, I, I was shocked actually. I went to my going away party and there were lots and lots of people there. And then Al Weiss got up and started telling me what a great guy I was, you know, like they do when you're leaving. And, uh, and, Where am uh, my wife was there, my grandkids, my son, uh, everybody was there, and he unveiled this window and made a big speech about it, and uh, I about fainted. I, they gave me a replica of it, too. I'm looking at oh, it right now really in my cool. office, and uh, it's just amazing. I mean, it's, you know, you talk about, that's probably the best thing that ever happened to me, as being put up there with all those people that had made a difference at Disney over the years, and... Yeah, you're supposed to have been at Disney twenty five years, I heard, to get one at window, but I got one early, so maybe I did do a good job.
1: (laughs) I'd say probably that's the case. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And it's
2: right above the Main Street Jewelers, which, Uptown Jewelers, which is, the watches are in there, and I'm really into time management, so they put it in oh, the right
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. that's well, this perfect, yeah. Well, I was going to ask, too, I know that, I think it, I think I wrote down that it says, um, like, true tales of inspiration or something. Do you, I mean, do you know, because we always like to, like, hear the stories about why the window says what it does or where it was put. You're right, absolutely, whether it was planned that way or not, being above the watches is perfect for you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, is wow. there anything
1: more to that Main Street Diary inspirational tales story? Or no, just I got now? the
2: reputation when I started writing the Main Street Diary of trying to uh, train and uh, bring things to pe- all of our cast members' attention through storytelling and sharing guest letters with them. I have this theory that if you want to get to somebody's brain, you've got to go through their heart. You've got to reach people emotionally mm-hmm. to get them to think about what they're doing and their attitude and behavior. and. And Disney's famous at storytelling, so I mm-hmm. start doing that. It's kinda of how I write my books too. It's stories. Mm-hmm. S- college students today have told me they they are tired of theory about leadership and management. They want story. How do you really do this when you got a to- you got to deal with or guest or and so many colleges and universities are using my books now as textbooks it's amazing it's growing rapidly doing. because they want stories and so i wrote those stories every week and people love to see their name in the paper and uh, we really uh made a big deal out of it and you know, literally inspirational stories that made the cast members share it with each other and everybody got a copy and uh I actually, my son worked at the Magic Kingdom way back in merchandise, and I told him, Daniel, you make sure you keep that window cleaner than everybody else's. So.
0: <laughs> That's, funny. That's funny. I make tried sure to get him to put some lights on it,
2: but I couldn't get it. <laughs>
0: That's so funny. Well, that's so true about the stories, though, because I have your book, The Customer Rules, 39 Essential Rules for Delivering Sensational Service, in my break room. I um, manage part-time a Hallmark store, and um, I had that book in my break room about two years ago, and it has been picked up and passed around, and now it has become the break room copy. <laughs> and um, I have seen so many of my young college girls in there during their break, flipping through it, reading it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, absorb that. Get that all in yeah. there and then take it back to my sales floor. Because um, I know everything that they're going to get in that is is going to show out in my store. Well, so if you put thank up you a, so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, put up sure. a bulletin board that said three things you should do when a customer comes in, nobody is going to remember what that says. No. Right. But by telling stories and yeah, that's really cool. People
2: remember yeah. the stories. I mean yeah, absolutely. we may not even remember what they said, but we remember the story. And uh right. and that's why it's so important to communicate with stories. I mean we all do that with our kids, you know. Don't you tell your daughter all these stories about when you were growing up and yeah. you be, oh, be careful tonight when you go out because down <laughs> you I mean we that's right. all we do as well. Well in
1: mine yeah. are very young. So they're at the point that they're like, wait, really? You, my my oldest, I had twin girls that are eight and they are, they're like, wait, you had somebody fight with you in the playground too. And they're just shocked. <laughs> they're shocked that we are all, you know, we all have similar struggles and similar stories. And it goes, it keeps coming back around to this idea that if we just listen to one another and we make them feel valued, we'll realize that we uh, that everyone they all have their own story, right? So then you tell the stories, and I don't know. I think it's very good. So I think that you are you're a very good fit for the storytelling of Disney, and I'm pretty sure that's why you got a window even before you should have according to the yeah. rules. But
2: that's yeah, right. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's very yeah. neat. Yeah.
1: Well, if um you know we I, I won't keep you too too long. I really oh, appreciate I'm fine. you being here. Good. As you all are. right. Well, well, don't tell me that because <laughs> <laughs> I have all kinds of things I could talk to you about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking though. Um, as You were talking about the election season a little bit earlier and gosh, there's just so, so many things that are sad and scary and frustrating. And we know, I mean, the three of us know and and the listeners know and so many people that have, if you've been to Walt Disney World, you know that one of the biggest draws is kind of that escapism, you know, just the idea that you can walk into a fairy tale or you can dream about tomorrow or whatever you're actually doing. You can be in the bubble, right? You can be in the Disney bubble, but logistically you're in the position that you're in in operations. Um, when nine 11 happened and, uh, if somebody is traveling to Disney world and they're watching the news and they're thinking of all these things. And then of course there's a tragedy in Orlando relatively recently. What kind of advice or words of encouragement can you give them about the safety both physically and also just kind of that emotional escape that Disney offers, especially if they're a first time guest, like how is it, is it possible even to describe the ability to escape when you go and how safe they can feel and what they're going to expect?
2: Well, I think that's been a big deal for Disney because it was – we always felt it was safe. But after 9-11, we did – we we really tightened it up. But we – I mean it is – the guests would be very impressed if they knew all the things we're doing to make sure they're safe. And mm-hmm. We have 1,200 security people at Disney mm-hmm. and 50 police officers on the property and uh, you know, we – cameras on every car that go in, every hotel, every – we put cameras in back – way back and uh, – Crime, you know, petty theft and breaking into cars all went down 90%. I mean, so the local people know you don't come there, you will get caught. So I used to say, the FBI told us Disney World is the safest zip code in America. (laughs) That's awesome. And and, uh, that's pretty impressive because, uh, well, it's just uh, we're very we're all all over it, and I can tell you, uh, security. Uh, there's we talk about it every day, and I everybody's looking at it. We have undercover people all over the place watching you get out of your car in the parking lot, uh, on the on the trams, on everywhere. And we want it to be safe. And I think any customer, yeah, actually, you know, the old Pleasure Island when we had all the nightclubs, a lot of young women would come to Disney uh, either by themselves or two girls together, and they basically they came there because they said they felt safe in a Disney bar because mm. if anything. Happened. The management took care of it. If some guys started bothering them, or uh, and they felt totally safe. And I think today, you know, I mean, I even caution my grandchildren about, you know, after midnight, you got to be careful today. Being in some club and being uh, people being really
1: dr- by yourself, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And um, so, uh, yeah, it's extremely safe. Uh, everybody's well trained. We've got first responders everywhere. I, if anything's going to happen to you, you'll be better you'd be at Disney than anywhere else.
1: Well, and I think even even like you mentioned that like the petty crime, like while it's not a tragedy if your wallet's stolen out of your car, it certainly puts a kink in your vacation. Yeah. Not that you should probably leave your wallet in your car anyway, but you know, you know, like even the quote unquote little things are violating and time consuming, and and so it's nice. It's kind of nice from both ends to know that a, it's safe to actually visit there, but also that you guys are you the entire company collectively are the guest safety is such a priority that we also can kind of count on that escapism and that, um, that bubble that we all have come to love so much. We can kind of count on it. You know, maybe they put metal detectors in or maybe they add a fence or maybe they have a camera, but in general, like you're, you're going to know that you're safe and you're going to be able to just go and enjoy your vacation, which I think is really, really special.
2: And we might talk about for your fans just for a minute, this whole thing that happened with the alligator, you know, Mm. I can tell you, I was at Disney for 16 years, and I was in charge of operations for 13 years, and that never crossed my mind. That just shows how you can not anticipate it. I don't know why. Nobody ever talked about it back then. Uh, we never had an issue. I never. Nobody ever brought anything to my attention. Uh, it, I don't know why. Living in Florida, I know. You know, now I just go like, "What was I think? Why didn't I? Why didn't I get that?" And uh, nothing had happened in 45 years. And sure. you get – you it's kind of like your kids, you know. Your kids always get hurt in a way that you haven't planned for.
1: Right, right, yes. You know, you <laughs> think
2: you've got all the electrical plugs in or they fall down the stairs and there's no rail. or I mean, it's – these things that happen, that was just so tragic. And I can tell people, people so what about – how do you think about that now? I said, listen, Disney will be all over that and – I tell people two ways you need to think about in business is you need to reflect on what happened, make sure it never happens again, then you need to anticipate what could happen. And if you got twins and you got a daughter, you can anticipate what's going to happen when they're 13, 14, 15, 16 <laughs> yeah. and have a lot of discussions with them and make sure yeah. that, but somehow things happen. And, uh, you know, like the Challenger blew up back in the eighties when it took off and mm-hmm. it, uh, nobody, had, I mean, just hadn't been anticipated because uh, everything had gone well for so long. And so that was so tragic, but I really made me rethink again to start, Kind of being more aware, even more than ever now. Even when I'm out and about now, that just reminds me: don't get too comfortable with things. You got to really be alert. You got to be paying attention. You got to anticipate what kinds of things could happen, and try to make sure you put something in place to make sure it doesn't. And that's uh, that's because I would say, you know, we're listed here talking about safety, and that happened, and that's on people's minds right now.
1: Sure. Right. And I
2: I can guarantee you, it's probably the safest place in the world right now.
1: Well, and that's an important point, though for for companies and for vacation planning and for parents and for employees. It's, it's an important point that as well as you plan and as hard as you work, like things change and to reevaluate. Uh, and again, even if we bring it back to like something as simple as a vacation plan, you have to kind of have a little bit of flexibility in that idea that like you might have to change your plans, you might have to learn and grow a little bit and you might have to uh, you know, things might happen that you don't anticipate, but you can move on from that and and be, um, you know, better. Like in this case, in a safety, in in the realm of safety, but just in general, like life throws curveballs. Vacations have curveballs. No matter what the situation, parenting, gosh, we know it has curveballs, and you can you you can't anticipate all of them. You have to just move forward with that yep. new yep. information. So
2: yeah, that's right. And, and okay. I tell you, my wife fell down with a box of my books while I was out of the country and broke her arm in five places oh, and ha, ha, was able to get her a few years ago was able to get herself up and call nine one one was in the hospital for like a week, and they had all kinds of surgery and and uh, she said, and I fell down picking up your books <laughs> you know, I mean, we never thought about an accident by picking up right a piece right. Of books.
1: Yeah, right. right but
2: she she tripped on one little step and bam.
0: Yeah. Life so, is unpredictable. Yeah, we can't
2: That's for sure.
0: It's unpredictable. You can never tell what is going to happen 100%. You can yeah. put all kinds of plans in place and something crazy is going to come along and change that and make you yeah. have to go back and relook the way you were doing it. Yep. And so out of out of this tragedy Things have been changed, and um, we're all thinking about it now. We're all a little bit more vigilant. We go forward. We can't. We can't mull in it, but we. Um, but we know now. We know what what yeah. can happen.
1: yeah, yeah. 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 The
0: unpredictability yeah. of life.
1: Well, uh, I want to make sure that everyone – I kind of mentioned at the top of the show, but I want to make sure that everyone hears kind of where t- – your books are at your website. Is that the best place to kind of keep – because I know you have a new one coming out. So. Yeah, if you want to know
2: about anything that I do, it's on my website, Um The books are on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, wherever. Yeah, and my my podcast is on there if you want to look at it there. Actually, it's amazing. Uh, uh, some company put up a phone number out there. I we,
1: heard that did you yeah, yeah, it's we
2: can get that number from Jody, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, it uh yeah, you can call and I called it up and there it was oh, that is so
1: cool, <laughs> so I actually uh, now I should ask you, so I'll clarify for people who are listening if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already listened to podcasts, and you should go immediately find creating Disney Magic with Lee Cockrell and Jody Mayberry. We can link to it in the show notes as well. um like I said, it is really, really good. Just good. It's good. It's, it's, it's very short. Good. Mm-hmm. It's short and an easy listen. I mean, it's, it's 15 or 20 minutes and it's um, bits of wisdom about business, but also about just life in general. But it is so cool. So now you've said there is, and I think this is so neat, Jody mentioned for like trainings or for um, people who maybe aren't quite up on tech to listen to podcasts. You can call a phone number and listen to the podcast on your phone, which isn't ideal for some podcasts, but man, Lee, I think that yours there are so many great uses for that. I think that's so cool. I've never heard of that before, but we'll get yeah. that number as well in that case so somebody cool. just prefers to listen or has a, a business or something that they can share you know, on speakerphone or something. So cool. It's very neat, but I, I do love your show and I, I I love your books and Charlotte obviously loves your books and has yes. implemented them. <laughs> and I know Jimmy and, and Ed and Sam would have loved to talk to you as well, but in their honor, I have to ask the question and it's a, it's a little interesting going to you because you've got such a history with the company. What makes you a Disney nerd, or when were you a Disney? You know, did you love Disney before you worked for the company, or did you just sort of happen to be recruited there because you were good at the hospitality industry? What makes you a Disney nerd, whether it's pre Lee Cockrell, vice president of operations, or post?
2: Well, as a child growing up, of course, Disney programs are on and cartoon and all that. But I liked Disney before I joined them, and I tell people I didn't just totally passionate about Disney for about a year, year and a half, because it takes time to understand how great it is. Mm. Uh, You know, for me, I was recruited because I had a strong management experience in food and beverage and operations, running restaurants, opening restaurants. So that's why I got recruited. And, you know, when I arrived, it was a good job. I thought it was a great job. But later on, it's more than that. And uh, it really strikes your heart as you get to know how important it is. Uh, One lady said to me one day, Lee, can you imagine the world without Disney? And I said, you know, that's right. That's pretty cool. And uh, even the troops, when they deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq, many, many, many of them, their families came to Disney before the soldier took off. That's cool. And it was the first place they came when he got back. And because uh, I think you just what you said earlier, getting away from the reality of life and having some relaxation. So after this election season, we'll probably be booming with business. <laughs> <That's
1: right. laughs> no matter what happens, so no matter out, what happens, we're all ready. going to Disney World. Yeah. That's right.
2: That's yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's a special place. And it yeah. really uh, it really rounded out my career and really uh, who I am today and how I think about things, because uh, there's nobody does it like Disney.
1: Well, and I think likewise, you made such a mark on it. I mean, not, we, we joked about you having a window earlier than you're supposed to, but the reality is the Disney that most of us know, um, especially if we have like younger listeners are, I mean, you had a huge impact on shaping what that is today. So I, I just think that you do get, you get disney you get the story and it makes sense because you were such a big part of it but you get the storytelling you get the um the importance of people and i i just so greatly appreciate that and appreciate you coming on but i don't yeah. know if you have anything else you want to share charlotte has any other questions but i'm just I super get- thankful with <laughs> jennifer you
0: get people and that right there is really a lot of what makes people love disney is because disney gets people yeah and it's that storytelling and um you have just you you're a legend. I was so excited to come, and <laughs> I've told everyone in my house. My my son showed up with my granddaughter, and I'm like, I love you guys, but I have to go. There's a legend. <laughs> There's a legend coming on, and um, you just. I, I hope that I can keep putting forward in out into the workplace your uh, your rules and your common sense leadership strategies, and I just hope more and more people pick it up because it is it is great wisdom. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, Thank thanks. It's great being with you all. If you want to do it again one day, let me know. And uh,
1: Well, we'll have you back on after we read your new book. Absolutely. Yeah, I need a new one.
2: After you, after you read my next book, you're going to feel sorry for my wife. I drug her around 11 time moves in her. She had oh, already, already moved 12 times with her father. He was an admiral in the Navy, so she's moved 23 times in her life.
1: Well, I might just end up having as much respect for her as I have for you because I heard a lot of your story. You know, different things that you've been through, and and you're so gracious to share those things transparently on your shows and in your books. And
2: yeah, I said <laughs> to I said in the dedication, is dedicated my wife who put up with me for 48 years, <laughs> and uh, as we moved around the country looking for career magic. And we finally found it. We found out it was really our family and being healthy, and you know, as you get older and being happy, and yeah. uh, well, that's why we stay in Orlando. It's just a great place to live, and people are all nice. And so, uh, magic can be found. It's probably right in front of you right now, especially that's if you true. got if you got children.
1: But you you've even shared on the show and um, maybe in your in your newer book, just just life struggles with um, yeah. you know different things, tragedy and anxiety and and you're right magic can be found in in the everyday not just maybe mostly in disney world or or especially uniquely in disney world but all the days in between too so i think that's so awesome thank you so much for for sharing that yeah
2: all right you guys take care awesome have a good night we'll catch up again one day
1: thank you very much much
2: okay bye-bye if you would like to
0: join our jam There's a simple rule that's compulsory,
1: mortals pay a token fee, rest in peace, the haunting's free, so hurry back, we would like your company. Hurry back.